God deserves every praise from every creature every day. This is the Everyday Christian Podcast. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green, and today we're going to be talking about overcoming indifference as we wrap up this series on overcoming things. If you have a Bible handy, we're going to look at Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22 momentarily. I'm sure that it's no secret to you that indifference is certainly a problem in the church. We've all seen this at one time or another. I would come to Bible study tonight, but fill in the blank. Your favorite TV show, too much homework, too tired, etc. I would study my Bible more at home, but again, fill in the blank with what you will. I would be at worship services every Sunday, but my kid's travel ball team won't let me be here. And after all, he'll only be on the team for a few years. Can't let the team down. What about the Lord? We don't want to let him down, do we? We don't want to let his church down, do we? Well, I I would try to convert the lost, but again, any number of excuses. I just don't know how. I don't want my friends, family mad at me. What if they ask me a question and I don't know? So I would try to convert people, but I just. I just can't. You see, we could stand here all day listing things that we as Christians are supposed to be doing for Christ. But we could stand here just as long coming up with excuses as to why we don't always do them. What does it boil down to? It boils down to the fact that it's because of indifference. Indifference causes inaction. Indifference causes neglect. Indifference causes lack of growth, both spiritually speaking and growth in number, numeric growth. Dare I say the word stagnation. And ultimately, indifference causes death. But perhaps what is most alarming about the death that takes place because of indifference is that it doesn't happen all at once. No, it it happens slowly and steadily little by little, as more and more Christians catch on to this contagion known as indifference, or apathy, or lukewarmness. Let me ask you this. If a Christian living in sin, if a Christian is living in sin, can he lose hold of his salvation? The Bible says yes. Galatians 5 verse 4 talks about those who have fallen from grace. 2 Peter 3 verse 17 talks about the ability to fall from our own steadfastness. Hebrews 10.26 says, If we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Hebrews 10.39 says that those who draw back, what are they drawing back to? They're drawing back to perdition. Hopefully we understand that sin can cause us to, to lose our salvation. But how many of us have forgotten that it's not just talking about things that we do wrong, 
but also things that we neglect to do right. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin, James 4, verse 17. There just simply is not only sins of commission, committing sinful things, but also there are sins of omission, omitting righteous things that we're supposed to be doing. And indifference is exactly the tool for the job to get Christians to omit their Christian duties. I want to define indifference for us. According to dictionary.com, indifference is defined as a lack of interest or concern, unimportance, little or no concern, mediocrity. Have you ever met a Christian who, for whatever reason, just couldn't get interested in the work of the church? Indifference. What about Christians who seem to have no vested interest in the congregation? It seems that they couldn't care less whether the congregation lives or dies. Again, indifference. What about those who just don't make relationships with their brothers and sisters in Christ a priority? Indifference. Is it ever the case that we as church members settle for mediocrity? The status quo less than our best, if we do, well then I would say that's the result of indifference. Let me put it another way. Lukewarmness. The freedictionary.com defines lukewarmness as a lack of passion or force or animation. Now what's the definition of animation? Being full of life or vigor, liveliness. Well, if it's the case that lukewarmness is a lack of animation and animation is liveliness, then a lack of liveliness, which is lukewarmness, is what? It's death. And that is exactly what is going on in far too many places. How many small, tiny congregations of the Lord's Church have closed their doors, have died, in the last 30 or 40 years. The last I checked, and it's been some time since I saw these statistics, 1,200 congregations of the Lord's Church have closed their doors in the last few decades. We have lost 160,000 members, at least, and rapidly climbing. What do you mean? We're talking about the Lord's Church here, right? We're preaching the truth. We're the church of the Bible. We're trying to do away with denominational divisions. Shouldn't we be growing, not declining? May I submit to you that part of the reason we aren't growing is because of indifference. Someone may say, well, no, that's not the reason. The reason is because our culture just doesn't accept the truth anymore. Question. What kind of culture were the apostles dealing with in the first century? I'll tell you this, that wicked, pagan, Greco-Roman culture of the first century was at least on par with, if not worse, than what we're dealing with even today. Christians being lit on fire at night to light the streets for Nero. Homosexuality and greed and drunkenness and lasciviousness and deceit, and on and on and on we could go describing sins 
that were rampant in that day and age. And, and the people were consumed with these things. And the apostles were having to deal with these things, even in the church. Read First Corinthians. Read some of the other epistles, and you'll see that. But the church still, in spite of those problems, the church, when they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, what did it do in that time? It grew, and it grew by leaps and bounds. Acts 2.47 says the Lord added to the church daily, daily, such as should be saved. I wonder if he's still doing that. And if he's not, we know it's certainly not his fault. It's because the word is not getting out there like it's supposed to. And by all means, we've got the word. It's available. It's more available uh, than it has been ever in print form. But we're not taking the word where it's supposed to go. Acts 8 verse 4. Therefore they that were scattered abroad because of persecution went everywhere preaching the word. Acts 17 verse 6. Jason and some other disciples were, were brought before the rulers of the city and they said, these that have turned the world upside down have come here also. The church turned the world upside down in the first century. Why are we not turning this world upside down today with growth of the Lord's church? Now, tell me again that the church is not growing because of the culture around us. If that's our excuse, then we're selling the Lord short. And we're selling the word of God short because the word of God is quick or living. It's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the human heart. Hebrews 4 verse 12. And human hearts can and will still accept it, but we've got to preach it. We've got to teach it. Romans 1 verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel of Christ. Or I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If we get the word of God out there, the good and honest hearts will obey it. But we've got to get it out there. Well, we don't need to make excuses anymore. We need to let the word of God do its work and we do not need to let indifference keep us from helping the church grow any more. Brethren, Jesus Christ's sharpest rebuke in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the seven churches of Asia, was not to the congregation that was way out in left field. It was not even to the congregation that was it had a name that it was alive, but really it was dead. Jesus had at least a couple of good things to say even about those congregations. No, Jesus' sharpest rebuke was to the lukewarm church, which we're going to read about in Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. That brings us to the danger then of indifference. Two things, indifference slash lukewarmness slash stagnation, apathy, whatever you want to call it, leads to a slow, steady, spiritual and, and really physical death of congregations and the Christians that make up those congregations. And because of that, this attitude makes Jesus sick. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. 
and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, will I grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus says it would be better to be cold than to be lukewarm. Why? It's not that Jesus wants anybody to be cold, but Jesus cannot stomach the idea of a pretender. Jesus would rather have us all in, completely on his side, but he'd also rather somebody be completely against him, and at least everybody knows that, rather than pretending to be for Christ and really they're against Christ. Jesus Christ does not want a pretender in the pews on Sunday and maybe even Wednesday nights, but that's really the extent of their faith. Jesus said, He that is not with me is against me. Luke eleven twenty three. I wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. This area in Greece or uh, rather in Asia Minor, Laodicea, was known for having lukewarm water. There were springs in neighboring towns. One would bring in hot water. One would bring in cold water. And when those waters mixed, it made a toxic, stagnant, lukewarm water that was not drinkable. It was not potable water at Laodicea, and it, the world knew that. You had to go drink the water uh, somewhere else. If they had bottled water back then, that's what they would do, because this water would make you sick. Well, Jesus is teaching a very important point based on that geography locally, and he says, you're making me sick. I can't stand it, that you're lukewarm. You are indifferent. Well, what are some things that we might be indifferent about? How about Bible study? Are you a lukewarm Christian when it comes to your Bible study? Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 3.14-17. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from a childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we're neglecting the scriptures, how in the world can we continue in the things that save us? We can't. Well, what about attendance? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, Hebrews 10, 25. By the way, verse 24, the verse right before that, says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. One of the most inconsiderate things that we can do as a Christian is to neglect the assembling of ourselves together and not, and thus neglect encouraging one another with our presence. Hebrews 10, verse 26, the verse after Hebrews 10, 25, says, For if we sin willfully, well, what is neglecting the attendance then? It's willful sin. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. And that's not a good place to be. How about good works? You know, James wrote that faith without works is dead. James 2, verse 20. He also wrote in verse 24, By works a man is justified, and not by faith only. He also wrote, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. And then what about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25? Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, uh, the goats, uh, the unsaved, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you did not give me food. I was thirsty, and you did not give me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto you? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, and as much as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Matthew 25, verses 41 through 46. Are we lukewarm in all of that? If we are, it's not going to be good on the day of judgment. What about evangelism? Uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Mark 16, 15 through 16, and countless other passages are still in there. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power or authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Mark 16, 15 through 16, something very similar. He says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Go ye means go me, brethren. We've got to evangelize. And, and we need to be preaching the word. We need to be having Bible studies with people. And we want to have a Bible study with somebody. We want to be able to influence somebody for, for Christ. Well, then we need to pray for that. We need to pray for those opportunities. Paul said that Christians needed to pray for him that a door of utterance or a door of opportunity would be opened unto him to speak the mystery of Christ. And so we don't need to squander then our opportunities because of 
indifference. We've defined indifference today. We've talked about the danger of indifference. Now let's finally discuss how to overcome indifference. And this is really simple. This is going to be the shortest part of the podcast. Right here, Revelation chapter 3, verse number 19. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. That's the answer. If we are not going to be lukewarm, if we're not going to be toting the fence line, if we're not going to be stagnant and indifferent, then we've got to be zealous. We've got to be on fire. Nothing can stop us. That should be our attitude. And are we going to fall down? Are we going to make terrible mistakes? Yes, we are. But we get back up and we keep going and we must be on fire for the Lord. We must be active in His kingdom, looking for opportunities to to work in His kingdom. I want to be a worker for the Lord, right? We sing that sometimes, but do we mean that? Are we working in the vineyard of the Lord? Well, we've got to be zealous if we're going to do that. You want to overcome the evil of indifference? Be zealous and repent. Be on fire again for the Lord. Chances are when you came up out of the the watery grave of baptism, if you've obeyed the gospel, and I hope you've done that, if you haven't done that and you're listening to this, contact me. I can put you in touch with somebody and I can help you with that. Uh, Somebody will help you with that. But when you come up out of the watery grave of baptism, having put the old man of sin to death, and you rise up to walk in newness of life, you were probably really zealous, weren't you? You probably were on fire. But in the passage of time, maybe you slowed down. Maybe you got discouraged. Maybe you found yourself not really on fire for the Lord anymore. Maybe you're finding yourself right now lukewarm and indifferent. Brethren, that's the problem. There's far too many brethren, far too many members of the church who are indifferent. And we've got to do better. Be zealous and repent. That's how we overcome indifference. I want to thank you for joining me for this podcast today. It's been a pleasure to record it. I'm so thankful for you, the listener. Uh, Our podcast continues to grow, and I'm so excited to see that. And I hope that you will share this podcast with others, uh, send it in a message to somebody, uh, encourage them. And also, I want to talk about the Scattered Abroad podcast I've been mentioning here lately. Uh, Again, that is a a network of podcasts that I'll be joining. I will still be the Everyday Christian podcast, but starting in January of 2021, we're going to have the Scattered Abroad Network of podcasts. And I hope that you will tune in to, uh, as of this date, all seven of the various podcasts that we will uh, have on that. I got news recently that my Buddy Drew Suttles and his podcast, Weathering the Storm, is uh, going to be added. And so that will be the seventh one that is added to that network. And so the seven of us podcasts will will kind of be the, the initial podcast on that network. And that's starting in January of 2021, Lord willing. And I'm so thankful for that. I hope you check that out. Look us up on Facebook. Uh, by the way, the Everyday Christian podcast Facebook page is actually going to migrate over to the uh, Scattered Abroad Facebook page. All seven podcasts are going to migrate 
into that one page. And so if you like us on Facebook, you need to go and look up Scattered Abroad, like that page, follow that page, and that's where our updates will be starting in January. So you don't want to miss out on that, and uh, I would greatly appreciate that uh, for the sake of this podcast that you would migrate over to that Scattered Abroad uh, podcast. Um, So I appreciate you listening again to this podcast, and we want to talk about next episode, which will be uh, Monday, October 5th, and that is the topic, Everyday Christians in the Voting Booth. October 5th, that's roughly a month before the election, and I felt like it was a good idea to talk about voting, politics, that sort of thing. And I'm actually going to have a guest host for that episode, John Mitchell. He's a good friend of mine. He's a preacher in Georgia, and I consider him a mentor and a friend, and I know that you will enjoy listening to that. He's got a lot of good things to say about that topic, and uh, it's a very long podcast. I've actually already recorded it, and uh, it's it's longer than our usual podcast, but it is just chock full of really good uh, things to say about that subject of politics and in voting and in government and that sort of thing. So I hope you will check that podcast out next week, Lord willing. And by the way, that's going to be a two-part pod- podcast. They're going to release at the same time, but there will be a part A and a part B, and you will see why, because it is very long, but it's also very good. And uh, of course, we have John to thank for that. Uh, just extremely good content, in my opinion, uh, with regard to voting Uh, the voting booth, uh, Everyday Christians and Voting. So I hope you'll check that out next week, and I hope that you will continue along uh, this podcast journey with the Everyday Christian Podcast.